podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, yeah. quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Good evening, it is the LFC Day Trippers, it's a Monday night, it is the forum and uh, fair to say uh, we've got an above average crew for you tonight, um, it is Ray uh, Dicko, your host and um, we've got uh, our regular Andy Young in the house, how are you Andy? Oh good Ray, oh, very good, looking forward to a good discussion. Excellent, good. Uh, we've also got another one of our originals, Steve O'Daly. How are you doing, Steve O? All right, Ray. How's things, mate? You well? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks, good. And we've got uh, a, a very special guest uh, on the day trippers for the first time, I believe. Um, we've got uh, Vinnie Perth, who was um, Dundalk manager. He's uh, won many honours as a player uh, in the League of Ireland, uh, also won the League of Ireland with Dundalk. Um, so it's great to have you in, Vinny, and get some insight. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. And I uh, grew up in late 80s, so uh, obviously had to become a Liverpool fan as well. So probably, for me, the greatest Liverpool team is still the 88 team. So um, last year's definitely pushed us. So big, big fan of Liverpool for, for many years. Yeah, I mean, you're a very similar age to myself, so you, we probably share a lot of the experiences from the late uh, the late 80s uh, into probably what was a less fruitful uh, era into the 90s and all the heartache, but obviously it, it, it all come good for us uh, last season. And, um, and we'll obviously talk about some of... Of some of the things that you were uh, bringing up uh, on OT, OTB there uh, last week, Vinny, which was uh, some interesting stuff. We'll get on to your topic uh, in a little while, but tonight we're going to cover uh, philosophy. Uh, it's all going to be revolving around Jurgen Klopp, and Jurgen Klopp's philosophy uh, is going to be Steve O's uh, topic. Uh, we're going to go back to some of that chat that you had last week, Vinny, around uh, the tactics and some of the subtle changes around the tactics that maybe uh, some fans haven't really appreciated and realised um, uh, that has taken place uh, over the last few months. Um, I'll uh, have a little discussion around uh, how important uh, data has been uh, in terms of selecting suitable players 
um at the, for the summer um and then andy you're gonna uh wrap things up uh with a with a i guess talking on uh klopp's leadership style and maybe some of the things that have happened this season which have possibly sort of derailed some of the things that uh, Jurgen Klopp would have been uh, sort of relying on uh, from not just from his Liverpool days, but from his, his Dortmund uh, days before. Already getting a, a comment there from Veranda Cheese around uh, still being beamed up as I was uh, last week. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure those comments will will keep rolling in. So we'll start with you, Steve-O, um, because I think it is going to be a really interesting discussion tonight uh, revolving around Jurgen Klopp. Um, you're, you wanted to talk about, I guess, uh, philosophy. I think philosophy and tactics, they're, kind, they're obviously interlinked, but I think first comes the philosophy and then it comes the tactics. So I guess it's probably just a, a, a right way to start this by uh, handing it over to you to talk about you know, Klopp's philosophy and how maybe he's had to evolve that philosophy when he first came into Liverpool. And now, obviously, as he's having to cope with a lot of the things that are being thrown at him through the course of this season. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things to it, Ray. I think, yeah, he came in with a, with a style and a, and a philosophy that he wanted to impart on the squad and, and on the club. Not just, not just the 11 out on the pitch, but an approach to have buy-in from every member of, of anybody associated with Liverpool. And I think I think he came in with, you know, his shouts of rock and roll football and heavy metal football, you know, and 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 fucking wow. Um these are all just things Andy told me to say by the but uh, but I was just just following the just following the brief from HQ. Um, but but no, in, in saying that, like he, he he did, he came in with an approach and a way he wanted to do things right across the board, and that took a little bit of time, you know. And we saw that with his first season, where it was it was a it was a slow betting in process. We got amazing games where we looked brilliant. We, we had other games where we we got torn open, and and it was a learning process for everybody, and a learning process for him to get to know who he was working with and where he needed to plug gaps and stuff. Mm-hmm. We've then had probably three years of of a build up to the crescendo of last season, and and to be fair, the season before there was there was nothing in it. <clears throat> if you look at those two seasons, uh, uh, you know, a couple of points is literally all it was. Um, and and in saying that the, the the level of football played over those two years was was insane and and covid and and the injuries that we've had this season i don't think they've changed his philosophy i don't think i don't think there's a there's a you know a, a liverpool clock 2.0 um you know happening at the moment I, I genuinely don't i think he'll continue with his with his approach and his philosophy i think if anything Ubach leaving and 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 um Linders coming in was was the biggest shift in in how they were doing things compared to maybe the the changing of the guard if we want to call it that now with maybe Wijnaldum moving on maybe people talking about Firmino needing to be to be upgraded and a couple of other little things in in the team uh, as we start to see them happening so so yeah I think I think next season we'll see a similar philosophy uh, imparted but just hopefully with a full squad back and maybe a couple of additional players coming in and, and, and pushing first teamers for a spot. Because I think to be honest with you, Ray, there's there's a there's a fair few in that squad that probably need to be shook up and moved on. Um and I'm saying the squad rather than the first team. Yeah, yeah. Um 
and that I think that's been laid bare, hasn't it, this season because of all that's gone on. Um, it may not have been so obvious had we have continued to just you know roll on as we have been in the previous couple of seasons. I mean, Vinny, in terms of obviously, you know, you uh, you know, in your time at Dundalk, you would have had your own philosophy how important is it to you know when you when you take charge how important is it to instill your philosophy on your on your group of players and then and then obviously sell that to any to any incoming players yeah i think i think the the challenge for Klopp Klopp and his philosophy is um that sort of heavy metal brand or whatever you want to call it is that um a lot of that's built on training ground first and foremost and um, I often, you often hear people say you bring people right to the end of the cliff in terms of fitness levels and you bring them back. But actually what Klopp does is he throws them over the cliff and says, <laughs> all out here. And to be honest, only a certain few, if you get back up off the cliff, he keeps you. And if you don't, then he moves on. And it might be a bit harsh on, say, someone like Daniel Sturridge for argument's sake, but I can see why he struggled because... That intensity they trained at that, you know, pre-season were so difficult. Um, and, like, Sturridge was an amazing footballer for Liverpool, but ultimately couldn't do it. Maybe maybe it's harsh on him, but he's just a good example of someone who, you know, went from being one of the best strikers in the Premiership to, to gone. And, yes, injury played a part in it. And maybe that was down to the, the training levels of, of Liverpool. But we've seen it with even Andy Robertson. It took him so long to get into the team. Because he probably had to get used to a new training. And that's where Klopp's philosophy is difficult. It's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, some people, players will actually talk to other players and say, oh, shit, I don't want to train like that. Actually, my body doesn't suit that and he wants something for Liverpool. And some mm. players will, will, will automatically sign from. And um, I think uh, we'll go on maybe later on to his leadership. But I think he signed for Klopp the man, first of all. Mm. And then, well, you, you sign for him and this style of play and this philosophy. So it is um it it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting way to do things, but his way of training players and level of uh intensity and running power that's needed means that it's not everyone's cup of tea, his philosophy and it's it, it only suits a certain style of player or else he has to change. And that's gonna be the interesting part of him over the next couple of years. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it seemed that you know, from from a from a fan's point of view, it seemed that you know the vast majority of players who were at the club did buy into that philosophy. You know, he 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 managed to convey something, uh, and you know, you highlight an exception, but I'd say that's probably one of the you know one of the few exceptions. Really, I think we've seen a lot of players who really did want to elevate themselves, elevate the careers, and um, and 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 ultimately win things. You know. Um, Jordan Henderson being, you know, an example of that, you know, and and the confidence that he 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 put into Jordan Henderson, the man, uh, as well as the as the player, to elevate himself. I mean, Andy, you've always been very, you know, very sort of complimentary, supportive, top bred uh, when it comes to you know. Oh, Klopp, are you still there, Andy? Yeah. So yeah, I think. Yeah, sorry. And um, you know, the thing is, at the you know, at what the end of the day, 
buying into his buying into his philosophy is proven to be the right thing. We've 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 got trophies to show for it at the end of the day. Um what's your what's your overall assessment now in terms of what what tweaks Klopp has to make to some of his philosophies? Yeah, like I, I think um, it's like when Klopp is then brings in a player, like you know, you always hear he likes to ask, "Do you like running?" <laughs> you know, it seems like a simple question for for a player, for such a talented player, they're about to invest millions on. But that's that's the basic, you know. They come in and they run, and he runs them into the ground, and it's always been a kind of a concern for me. Like, what is the life expectancy in a player in a Klopp team, especially at the beginning when I think I think the philosophy has evolved. Um, when he's seeing how intense the Premier League can be in terms of the amount of games you have to play, no breaks, um, like there's there's times they're playing like six games across a month, and they the philosophy has had to be tweaked, and I think he's had to he's had to do that for, as a trade off for winning. You know, the season before we won the league was probably a more exciting and probably a way a way more heavy metal type of Liverpool, one that pressed harder, ran quicker, more sprints. Than the see the the year after when we did eventually win the league, it was a lot more. Um, I suppose the the pressing was more focused, and they they you know it was more about efficiency and lasting. And now we're seeing this season we've a hangover from like now. There's a lot of facets to the problems that we're seeing this year, and I'm sure we'll get into it as well. But the club is going to have to keep evolving to suit the future. I mean, you can't just carry on. And hope that the, the players can can run the same players can run for another two seasons. So I think some of the stuff has been kind of planned, and I think some of the stuff he's he's learned along the way at Liverpool. Some of the changes that were made were just because of how players outperformed in their position and made made it their own position. I, I, I doubt he ever intended on having Ginny Wijnaldum, Jordan Henderson, and um, Fabinho as a as a really um, industrious midfield. I'm sure. The intention when he was bringing in Naby Keita and more creative players was to have that bit of creativity in midfield, but it just so happens that that's worked out. But it's just the longevity of it. I think it, it will need to develop and evolve. And look, it's Jurgen Klopp, so with every faith in him that that he will make those tweaks and changes that are necessary. Yeah, I mean the one thing the one thing for me around his philosophy is the 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 association with the fans and the association with um, the history of the club and how he's managed to tap into that and managed to bring that into an in uh, almost into a kind of a you know a sort of a next generation really in some respects and the fact that you know this season is sort of the, the disconnect has been there hasn't it? It's been obvious to see. And that really has, you know, aside from some of the other things that we'll talk about tonight around tactics and around leadership, you know, that that really has been a component that I think he's in some way struggled with because it's a big part of, of his philosophy, isn't it? It's a big part of what makes him what makes him tick and what makes that connection with the players one that really kind of works and 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 possibly overachieves in some respect. Mm. Uh, compared to just 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 the just the actual parts that he's got available, sort of thing. Yeah, just um. So look, we we you know we, we'll yeah go for it, Finny. No, just just on just to I suppose not to clear up, but 
I think the difference is you can play you can play or work under certain managers. It's very difficult to give you um, an example. I suppose say uh, Harry Redknapp or um, that type of manager or uh, uh, Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce is a good example. There. You can play under Sam Allardyce for 12 months and you'll do anything. If he tells you, you know, we're going to train in the ground today and we're going to walk and do the stands, you'll do it and you'll get results out of doing that. But there's no longevity to it. Um, eventually, mm-hmm. players get worn out and, you know, that old-fashioned, and particularly now, and I think we're seeing it, Allardyce hasn't had the effect and I didn't think he would. But I think with Klopp, I think there's more longevity to what he does. I think... Yes, there will be a certain amount of burnout and some players will fall, but, but I think the difference with him is uh, there's more structure to it. It's it's not by the seat of his pan. I think, um, yes, I don't think you can run at that intensity. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, yeah. quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un filet fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. If you're Jordan Henderson for five, six, seven, eight years in a row, but I think there's a long enough to be able to give him time to bring in new players. And I think I think we've seen him try to evolve. I think the sign of Thiago was a prime example of it. In, in, for a lot of fans, it does look a great sign, but that was him trying to evolve. Um, mm. And it was a right signing at the time. But ultimately, as a manager, you're judged over a period of time. So I think there's longevity in what he does. I, I, I wouldn't be in any way, shape or form critical of that sort of heavy metal or that really training players really, really hard. I think... Uh, I think, he, I think, by and large, it's a right, and um, it's a lot longer than than people think. You know, the, that physical element of it will go on longer. I think than people think. I think Vinny, I think Mourinho's a, an example of that Allardyce type manager you're talking about as well. You know, even in the best of his teams, he got two years, and into his third year, the players had switched off from his message. They'd mm-hmm. they'd had enough of it and his demands and. It, it, it didn't have the capability for longevity. It probably applies to nearly every manager. Even Pep has had to do it in terms of earlier this season, he admitted that he had to completely change the philosophy. But I think what Klopp probably brings with his philosophy is the buy-in from players. So you look at someone like Dan Lovren, who went from being first choice when Klopp came in to clearly being a backup centre-half and, and being quite vocal about not being happy about not playing football but still wanting to be part of that group, knowing that the it's, it is about buying into that adage of, of the sum of the parts, you know, is, and, and, and believing in the, the, the idea that the manager has for the club. And, and I think that's why we were able to hold on to players for any period of time that we really wanted to. Um, the aliens have finally got raised, gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gone. Um, I'm back with I think that's what it's like. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, and, um, I, I think Mourinho, listen, Mourinho's a, a completely different animal in terms of the, like that Chelsea side he had was brilliant. They yeah. loved everything about him. Yeah. But I don't think they got sick of him. I think that was 
circumstantial, but now we can't he can't rekindle that because the game moves on. And uh, why, why do you think he's own like if you look at it, he's he. It's not like he's necessarily made his moves after three years. Nearly every time, I could be wrong on this actually, maybe, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's been given the bullet after about three years each mm. time. First Chelsea team given the bullet picks up the job at. at uh, do you go Inter and then Real, or Real then Inter? I can't remember which way around yeah. it was, but, but I think it was Inter then Real, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think Real was the start of where players didn't really love him. The Inter players were really sad to see him leave. Chelsea mm. players, by and large, um, I, I, I won't. I spoke. I spoke to Damien Duff about it, and I think he. I think around that time, or, or probably since he would have discussed it, and the real love and the sort of. Uh, Affinity towards him was massive. Them players really would, would run through brick walls. And that's when you know, as a manager, you have things right. If players are going to run the, the old fashioned thing, run through a brick wall for you. Really uh, had them players able to do that. I don't think, I thought when he came out of it and, and went on to Sky and he, at the start, it was like, I was actually willing them to do well because I thought he'd learned and he, he, he sort of copped on himself. Then he started again by alienating people. And that, for me, is the difference. You don't feel that. Now, it's easier when you're successful and things are going well, but you never feel at Liverpool that players are alienated or are feeling uh, left out of team or being sent to train with the young lads. You never get that sense around Liverpool. You always find, even uh, Kate is a good example, when he is fit and he's still on the bench, you always tell he, he still feels part of the group, and that's... Ultimately, yeah. that's man management. Mm. Yeah, that's the buy-in you're getting from every member of the squad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the I mean, the thing is, you know, if we move it on a little bit to 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 tactics, uh, Vinny, you obviously did a uh, you did a piece there on uh, on off the ball, and uh, it was re- it was really interesting actually because as a fan, we 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 kind of. You know, we're just we're caught up in the emotions of of you know the lows now, I guess, after the highs, and you know, but by you know, but by sort of watching the team week in week out, sometimes you you don't necessarily see some of the things that have have, have actually been occurring in front of your eyes. You know, we assume almost that you know Klopp is being very stubborn and rigid with 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 the system that he's playing and 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 in some ways he is but in you know you pointed out there in a lot of ways this has differed massively as a result of the personnel that have been you know changed because of injury and availability essentially and by having to drop those uh, natural Midfielders, those cogs in the wheel that we that we used to see in those successful teams, having to go uh, into you know centre back positions uh, or just not being available uh, at all. Um, I mean, Vinny, is this something that was jumping out at you, or did you did 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 it take a little bit of um, kind of I guess? Uh, understanding for yourself or, or was it something that you kind of very early got on to sort of thing? Yeah, I suppose I was lucky. So um, I would have, if it, I just happened to be around the Crystal Palace when you remember in Anfield, I think he won 5-6-0. That was, that was Liverpool at the very best. Palace people will say went great, but the press, the counter-press from Liverpool was outstanding. 
that was their, their, their first team for one the better award. That was them at their very best. And um, I, I remember uh, doing some video analysis of it and sharing it with the Docks midfield. I was at the Dock at the time, just sharing it with the players to say, look, look at the work rate and even even four-nil up, three-nil up, Henderson pressing people in the corner fights. And, you know, it's, that's that will, that hunger, that drive. And ultimately, I think that was around the time you won the league or it was sort, sort of the result that sort of confirmed it all. So I have yeah. that in So um, and I had just done that. So that's what you do as a coach. I, I, for example, recently, um, I, I find it funny hearing people talk about Cancelo on BT Sports, uh, Robbie Savage doing it. But I spotted that five or six weeks ago. But that's just because we're looking into these different things. Not um, like and savage, but he's certainly no um, uh, genius. But the, the point I'm making is that, yeah, as a coach, you're watching all these bits and pieces. But um, and the knock-on effect of taking like people, people have, have been this season a little bit critical of Liverpool's front three, and I think they've, I think they've missed some chances. No doubt about it. I don't think the form. Particularly Mane, Mania, but Mane in particular because it's the the standard he set last year was so high. But I think I think we've got to give them a little bit of slack in the sense of what the what's behind them has changed everything. It's changed their Liverpool completely. So um, we call them number eight or attacking midfield. If Liverpool Liverpool's best midfield last year was uh, Henderson, um, Wijnaldum, and Fabinho. When the three down played, it was sometimes Fabinho would actually be the highest midfielder pressing. Uh, some press fullbacks and they'd all fit in. Then you'd have uh, Henderson and overlaps. We've seen the great Barcelona game where when Alan Roy's in the six yard box and scores a, a goal, all of that attacking, running power that he had in midfield was huge. It was absolutely colossal. Also, from a build-up point of view, Fabinho went in and made it a back three, which allowed the two full-backs really high up the pitch. So in Salah's, from Salah's point of view, he had um, Trent high, so the full-back was occupied with where Trent was standing. So that left the window mm. between uh, the full-back and the centre-half, the half position for Salah to play in or to be in at least or drift into which meant the centre-half would come out, creating more space for Bobby and for Mane. So all knock-on effects. But what we found with this, with the change, and, and um, I, I often say, when you're in a position of strength like Liverpool where uh, you could add one into that midfield and take one out. And it doesn't, like if you add Thiago in, and I understand why they've done that, bring Thiago in because certain games, he's, he's just an amazing passer. Certain games you need someone... Whether it's all the bench or starting the game at home where he comes in and picks out different passes, it just changes things. Um, but the problem is they took, they, they made five, he made five effectively changes. He took his uh, two midfielders and put them in centre half. He mm. put two more in. And that, that five, the dynamics of that five changed. He tried Thiago's a six, didn't work. And he put uh, Wijnaldum back into the six in the West Ham game. And to be fair, it worked a little bit better. Well, you can put Curtis Jones into that midfield with Henderson, Wijnaldum, if you really well. But he's a little bit inconsistent, but he did really well. Or Thiago in the beautiful. But the knock-on effect tactically of that is huge. And what we've seen is 
the we've seen the Salah situation and he's struggling now because in the last couple of weeks we've also seen Trent in Liverpool build up play, they like to make a, a back three. Last year was one of the midfielders. They've started to it started to be Trent now with the two centre halves. And Robinson really high up the pitch. But what that's meant for Salah is mm. the fullback is now gone. I'll mark Salah. The centre half of the opposition is gone. I'll stay inside and we're much more dis- defensively we're solid. Other yeah. effect of it, you're not getting Henderson making these runs on around Trent, around all these different positions. Or Trent goes and he pulls one back. How many times have you seen getting to the end line, rolling the ball back and Henderson crossing first time? That's completely gone out of game. And um and and flabbergasted is taking so long. Not to fix because I know people have seen it. They, they, they see it quicker than us. Um, but just one interesting statistic is that uh, they, call, they call the pressure or the press. We call it the press. Simple way to put it. Liverpool would press last season on average 149 times in a game. Now that's down to just under 130. Okay. Basically, mm. that's huge. But the biggest drop off is in midfield. Point. It is huge. It's about 20, 30, or sorry, 25 to 30 presses a game less in, in central midfield. And that's down to losing your high energy runners in midfield. So uh, it's 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 fascinating to see the difference with Thiago playing in Henderson's position is he's looking for little intricate passes and they're fine and they look great. But the difference of Henderson passes are either first time crosses or overlaps or driving into the box. And I think, I think ultimately, Henderson being gone in midfield has cost Liverpool completely how they change. How, it's changed completely how they play, you say. And they don't look half of the team as a result of it. And it's, it's a massive setback. It's, it's two-thirds in the midfield as well, Vinny, for the most of this season that haven't been used to our approach as well, you know, and with a with a reduced preseason, and and you know you've got Curtis Jones, who's a. Let's be honest, we're all really pleased with the progress he's made, and and he looks a, he looks a great prospect. But he's a very young kid having to grow up very quickly in a team that's struggling, and you have a you have a world class centre midfielder in Thiago coming in, who's who's played in a different. You know, it's not like he came from a Leipzig team, who who play in a similar style or not. You know that approach. That's a dominant. Uh, Bayern team who who play in a different way, and his role in that Bayern team was very different than what's being asked of him in this Liverpool team as well. So that's that's a huge part of your core that's been not just ripped out, but the players that come in aren't like for like in their approach and their and their you know ability to 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 you know you know yeah. deliver that game plan. You have, you have to remember the knock on effect by these two number eights we call them coming into your team mm-hmm. is that. Because the press isn't as good, uh, Firmino up front, instead of pressing goalkeepers and centre-half, he's now having to run back after the opposition number six. So me and uh, Salah and Mane are doing a hell of a lot more work than they, they would ever do. And ultimately, you don't want them to... Yes, they need to run and goals and be part of the press, but you don't want them running around like headless chickens. We want them on the ball. And there's a perfect example of that is the Southampton game. If you go back to that, like that was not the start of our problems, but that's when we went. We sort of realised, shit, we have a problem here. Liverpool 
Southampton just tic-tacked around Liverpool all day long. Yeah. And that was your midfield. That was it was Ronaldo, it was Thiago, it was um, um Jones and Southampton just held past Liverpool all all through through the fans or the press. And I think now you're starting to see the front three going, I'm not going to press here because what's behind me is not good enough and even yeah. five yards. And it's not close enough. So there's too much of a gap to be able to play around. Yeah, and, and the last point I'll make is remember he, uh Liverpool kept a real line last season. Yes, it, it was very noticeable on set pieces, but it was also in general. And um with um Van Dijk and Gomez, because they had the pace and the height of they were like squeezing the life out of teams. And uh, even when he played, there was times when Man City had the ball, they'd be only 20 yards of the, of the space. Going behind us if you want, we'll deal with it, or a keeper will come out and get it. And the knock-on effect of the centre-halves and the injuries has changed Liverpool play. Now the question is, should Klopp have responded and changed his shape? That is the question. And it's... <clears throat> You know that go. That means then he, does he only have one philosophy and one philosophy only, or did he did he really change the shape? And it's a, I don't know the answer to it, but it's an interesting question. And he he does he, he does have answers uh, or questions to answer this year. I think as a result of a bad in the second half of the season. Yeah, one of the players, one of the players who you you've touched on there, Firmino. He seems to have a lot of sort of questions to answer at the moment in terms of his his form. Has there been a you know is the drop off more of a permanent thing? You know um, what you're saying there, Vinny. It's, it's been very obvious how it's been obvious in terms of how how much deeper he's been coming. And gives the ball away, he's giving it away in a much more dangerous area than if he can't, you know, if he if he can't succeed higher up the pitch. And we've seen a lot of instances where teams have broken them on us as a reason ball away in 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 his you know in his own half of the. Summer's coming, Washington, D.C., and so are pesky mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your backyard fun. Call your local True Green experts for True Green Mosquito Defense. This science-based treatment will help control mosquitoes in your yard within 24 hours and keep your family and pets comfortable all season long. Save 50% on your first mosquito service by visiting TrueGreen.com summer or call 877-629-0092. Say goodbye to mosquitoes and hello to the perfect outdoor space for summer. Call True green today. The pitch. Um, I mean, you know, Steve, you know, you, you even touched on it yourself. There's, there's question marks around for me, you know, I mean, for you, um, you know, he's getting a bit of a rest now. He's, he's, he's out the team, he's out the firing line. Um, you know, do you expect him to come back in the, in the, in the last part of the season and, and be able to kind of pick up his levels or, or do you think what Vinny's talking about there in terms of this being a, a wider issue around the counter press, not, not working because of the, the overall issues that we've had, he's still going to fall victim of that in the last part of the season, potentially. I think there's a couple of things to it. I, I... I don't know if we're, if if he's possibly being Adam Lallana in in the in in the way that the team might be moving past him, um, and and it's not just this season. You know, the second half of last season, his his numbers were 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 way down, um, and he's just not producing. You know, is is 
his pressing isn't is isn't as intensive as it was. His his ability in front of goal is you know it's been questioned over and over again. For, for the most part, let's he had one season where he was quite prolific, and I think he hit twenty three for the season. But he's never been a goal scoring centre forward. But the killer for me has been that in key moments when when chances have fallen to him, he snatches at them like a centre half playing up front. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's 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 that little lack of it's that little lack of composure that you know. I'm not saying Jota is the answer. I, I'm I'm really happy with him this season. Um, but he does. Jota seems to have that little bit of extra killer instinct in terms of just being able to, to compose himself and put a put a half chance away, and it makes a difference. Um, and I know I'm sort of throwing throwing it off. I'm I'm actually a little bit perplexed by our uh, decision to bring Kabak in. I, I I don't understand how when we've decided to proceed with a high line, we haven't changed our philosophy and how we're playing. We brought we brought in a centre half who who looks like he runs with lead in his boots. I, <laughs> I don't understand. We we had four months, we four months, and and even if you say we didn't know where we were going to be at, and they were waiting to see, and they didn't expect the injury to matter. They still had the they still had January to sort it out, and and mm. I I don't understand how he was the best of what they could see out there. Now, unless they played a smart game and agreed, you know, an optional buy and whatever else, that was their way to get shot to agree to maybe a lower fee now. And really, they just want them for four or five months and they have somebody else in mind in the summer. But I'd be really disappointed personally if we sign him in the summer. I just, I don't see it with him. He looks naive. Um, I understand you're coming into a team that's under pressure and whatever else, but he just looks... He looks a little bit lost, and he and I wouldn't mind if he was a little bit naive and young, and you could mold him, and he had the pace to cope with the way we want to play. But he doesn't. He, he's getting roasted left, right, and center, and it's a real worry for me if 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 that's what we saw as the answer for this. If that can happen, I think he's. I think are being a bit unfair, Steve. We settled well in the last few games. Has he not um, had two man of the match performance? Yeah, and he's 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 only twenty. And what what were we doing when we were twenty? <laughs> <laughs> he's just, Running faster than when we were fucking thirty, I can tell you that. So it's not like he's going to. It's not like he's going to get faster as he gets older. No, but if anyone plays alongside Van Dijk, would look good. Like I, I often say to many suffering Man United you know, fans, if Lindelof, for example, who you all say is rubbish or boy, played beside Van Dijk, I think he'd be an excellent centre half. So I think mm. the partnership is huge. But. Mm. Honest, I think I agree completely. Like, there's no way they need to sign Quebec. Just no way. I think. Yeah. You look at the West Ham game. Best player on the pitch for me was was uh, uh, Phillips. Yeah. Now he's up against uh, Antonio Suter. But I, I like we we spoke earlier on about Klopp's philosophy and the will and and like he never gives up on players. He loves his players. You can tell all that stuff. But I just don't understand why. It took so long to get Phillips into the team. Like he played them against West Ham, they were very good in the day, again comfortably, and he didn't play again until Henderson got injured four weeks later. And since he's been back in the team, they've kept three clean sheets. So why would you spend fifteen million on Quebec? Is what it's going to cost him now? When you have himself there, you've Matip to come back, you've Gomez, you've Van Dijk. It would be a waste of money for me to sign him. And uh, I think the, I think he's got to trust that Phillips. The only thing I say is, and this is what we don't see is Phillips isn't easy on the eye. Uh, I use the example; he looks more like Jamie Carragher than Van Dijk, 
And maybe that's close. He's not close type of player and he doesn't fit into his philosophy. I often see him shouting to the pitch or waving his hands and I think it's aimed at Phillips. He probably just doesn't get him. But for me, Phillips has never let uh, Liverpool down and I don't understand why it took so long to get into the team and if it would be critical of, of Klopp, God forbid, uh, someone like me, it was how how did it take so bloody long to get him into the team? I just mm. leave him in the team. Do you think, Vinny? Do you think, Vinny? It's some of it down to the fact that obviously he was probably at one point deemed surplus to requirements, and he goes out on loan to Germany, and then obviously circumstances mean that you know he's in the he's in the picture, he's in the equation. You know, we've often said on 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 this podcast, you hear on other podcasts. Do you just think he didn't he didn't trust Phillips uh, enough to give him a run? Well, what I'm saying that is that's. I'm reluctant to use the word. That's that's bad management, though. That's blinkers. Because, like, there's no way he wanted to bring Kevin Keller into the team. But when he makes a brilliant save in Europe, he runs onto the pitch and holds him. There's mm. no way he wanted to bring Williams in at centre half. But when he comes on and wins a big header, he comes on and holds him. Mm. And then, Phillips plays well. You've got to forget all of the other rubbish you've got as a manager. You've got to forget that maybe he's not a great trainer. Now, we know after the West Ham game it was Man City. It was a big, big game. But what mm. he lost in the Man City game was if he had had that midfield. Mm. And he did. And I can't, even if it was uh, Phillips and Matip, I just, I can't understand that. And there might be something in the background. That's what I'm saying to you. I don't imagine he's easy on the eye. I don't imagine he's in training uh, spraying balls around. If you, remember, if you look at it, on the quality day, it looks like Phillips was was great more than. But there's no there's no doubt Phillips has now overtaken him, and as a result, I don't think they need to spend the money on Quebec whatsoever. Mm. I think it'd be a mistake. I I I, I disagree with you there, Vinny. I think I think both of them need to go. To be perfectly honest with you, I know that might sound harsh, but you know if we want to if we want to challenge City and dominate in the league, our aim should be to replace Joe Gomez in that side. And put yes. somebody in alongside Van Dyke. Gomez comes down to your third place. Matip comes down to your fourth place. To me, Nathaniel Phillips, all he's done is increase what we're going to get from him when we when we sell him to Palace in the summer or whoever that is. You know, and, and, and you know, I don't. I'm not saying, yeah, but you know? I'm not he's the answer to all Liverpool's problems. Far from it. Mm. I'm not saying he's yeah. the next Van Dyke. He, he's not. Mm. But I'm just saying when you, like you've got something sitting on the shelf. And you've clearly got massive problems. The one thing about statistics and we get on to data and uh, team and how they're playing and all this, the 50 analysts in Liverpool and Melwood would have said to them, you know, our running distance is down, our uh, winning the ball back is down, the, the, the press, the counter press is down. There you go, Jorgen. So he had to go, yeah, that's because I've taken out Henderson and forbid. Like he knew what the problem was. Hmm. I don't understand the stubbornness not to fix it with. Yes, I'm not saying we've got, you know, Franco and Grace on the bench, but mm. put a centre-half, a natural one to your team. And he's proved he's, he's good enough for premiership level. He may not win the uh, Champions League with him, but he's good enough to be in that Liverpool team. I think that's that's the first, not the first mistake, but well, that's been a massive mistake. And I think, as I said, he has to, have, has to answer the questions of the second half of the season. One of them, I think, was staring them in the face. Yeah, yeah. and you wonder, you wonder, you you have to wonder how many, 
you have to wonder how many points would have been rescued had he have made that switch earlier. You know, if he'd have gone for that and had the faith in 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 centre backs playing centre back, maybe three or four games earlier, would we now be? I don't know. Five points better off, six points better off. Would be would we be sitting in fourth place and be talking about us being in a re, still in a reasonable position to qualify for Champions League through the league position rather than this kind of scenario that we probably find ourselves in and actually having to go out and win the seventh European Cup in May. Yeah, and that, no, there's a brilliant comment from is it Oliver? Like Phillips is your granddad centre back, never easy on the eye, but gets the job done. Yeah, I'm not talking about. We're not going to find another Van Dyke in, in, in the Christmas period, particularly in that window. It didn't seem the money was there. It didn't seem he had anyone on, on the radar. But there was someone in your club ready to do the job. And whenever he's been called, on, he's done the job. Different if he came in and played bad for a game or two. I'd understand it. But by and large, he hasn't. He hasn't. And I can't fathom where he didn't see this or the staff didn't say, do you know what, particularly after the West Ham game, you know what? We leave this fella in for a couple of weeks and mm. fix our, our big problem. Which is Vinny, does it come down to Fabinho going back into the centre of the park as well? Though, like it, I didn't realise that Quebec got any man of the match awards. I thought Alexander Arnold had actually got a couple um, from the last couple of games, but, but, but I just I don't give a shit about man of the match to be honest. With you, so. <laughs> but 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 like the difference that Fabinho has made in allowing everybody to do their job properly from the middle up to the front three eases the pressure on the back four as well. And it does make their life that little bit easier in the games. Obviously, Leipzig played into our hands. Um, but but I think Fabinho coming back into the middle of the park has made Phillips and Kabak's job a hell of a lot easier. And, and those lads would have had a, a much less torrid time. Had Fabinho played against Leicester, we wouldn't have capitulated in that game. That's that's mm-hmm. just an opinion of mine, you know. And, and I think, you know, when you look and you look at how we, we were we were beaten in that game. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a knock-on effect. He goes in there and releases Ronaldo, yeah. who, who has been playing really well. To be fair, I don't, mm. I don't. I think if, if you were marking Fabinho as a number six out of a hundred, and say he was ninety-two, I don't think if you put Ronaldo in there, it would be a huge drop-off, and because it's not his natural position. So I don't think the massive change. But yeah. if you put Fabinho in there with Curtis John and Thiago, you still have. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. One is just his one. I think the knock. Your point is, and I often use. So I use Liverpool were one of the best teams for two years. We know what the midfield best midfield tree was, and we've taken sixty six percent of that Elvis, okay, and you've replaced it with two other players. So six, as in each player is thirty three point three percent. You take sixty six out of that, and you put it back a centre half for most of the season. And what you've replaced it with are different type of players and nowhere near as good and don't suit the style. And the knock-on effect has been calamitous in the second half of the season. It's just, I'm shocked that they haven't fixed it quicker than, than what they've got to. Yeah. Yeah, some of, the, some of this, I think, come down to the fact that particularly when Fabinho had that run as, uh, uh, you know, as our kind of 
makeshift centre-back. His performances were outstanding. He looked like an, a natural fit and it started a debate, you know, a bit of a debate amongst fans as to whether, you know, he was better as a, as a, as a centre-back or as a defensive centre midfielder. But I think as time ticked by and what we started to realise was missing from our midfield, it started to become apparent that, you know, mm. irrelevant of how well he was doing as a centre back, we really well, do. Well, let me just because that's a brilliant point you made, and it just to prove the point when he went back to centre half, when large, you still had Henderson and Adam in midfield. Yes, when so that's the key. You're taking you're, you're only taking one of your three, not yeah, two of your three, and that yes. was good. So when he went in there, Liverpool were still top of the league, and we. Yeah. We didn't fall off the train uh, tracks when Van Dijk got injured. It came after that. It wasn't Van Dijk. It was yes, he's acted like he's a used loss. It came after that. So that's what I'm saying to you. But we can play Wijnaldum, Henderson, and Jones or Thiago, and Liverpool will be very close to the best. But you can't you can't play the two of them on one, or else you have to change what you do. Yeah. So sorry, yeah. I, I don't harp on about the midfield, but it's been huge. Yeah. It's been absolutely yeah. massive. Like this, Andy, all, one, this all, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say one of the other things that that Vinny brought up, um, uh, and and it was kind of the last thing he, he talked about on his analysis um, on off the ball um, was something that we've been sort of talking about as well here. I mean, myself and Gav, um, you know, we were at the first game against uh, Norwich uh, last season. It was last season. And um, you know, we 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 based on where we sit at, at Anfield, we we have the 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 I guess the advantage of uh, for for half after game when Liverpool are attacking down the Alexander Arnold and Salah, which which key which Vinny absolutely highlighted. Um, was such a big part of how we were we were successful last season, and by particularly by losing Henderson from that dynamic, um, it's not allowing Salah to play in between, you know, the fullback and the centre back, and as Gav would often call it, you know, cheat essentially uh, by being able to create so much uh, sort of indecision and, and uncertainty amongst the defence. I mean, for, for you, is that has that been another big thing? Um, this season, losing that, and then obviously the knock-on effect in some ways to Trent's confidence because he he's not he's not got that kind of that that partnership that he's so used to having on that side of the field. Yeah, yeah. I, Klopp always spoke about how Salah was so dangerous in in the half space there between the centre half and the fullback. And I remember one of his poorer games was when United went back to a back five. And he put three centre backs there, one right in the way of um, of Salah, and I think it was Shaw that had Salah in his pocket, and and that's they're, they're the spaces, they're the, that's where Salah likes to play inside, and with Trent up straight up behind him, and when we. Have- Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, cierto, mamá? Ya. Yeah. 
Quédense tranquilas, aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. For being on the midfield, squeeze and everything. Like, you can't say at all this season that we've sucked the oxygen out of the opposition. Whereas you could say that all the last season and all of the season beforehand. So it's, Trent has become more of a traditional fullback this year. He's, he's, he's playing a defending role. He's playing a role like that we traditionally associate with fullback. Yeah, he's up and down the line. But look at last season. He was one of the most creative players all the assists, all the, you know, I hate using it, the hockey assist, the assist before, the, the pass before no, the assist. No, no, yeah. no, <laughs> but, no, you didn't just say that. Yeah, but but you know what I mean? Like, there's a player, there's there's a, a one of our most creative players who's not getting the opportunity to, to get into those positions anymore. And again, it's all down to the midfield. Right, we, we, we went into the season with... Fabinho was a four-choice centre-back. It was inevitable with Matip and Gomez. Now, I know they had horrific injuries, right? Predictably Gomez. But it was inevitable we were going to have a period of time, a long period of time, where Fabinho was going to play centre-back. And I said it here at the time, it's so risky because it's not so much I doubt Fabinho's ability to play centre-back. It's what you lack in the field. There's no other player in the world that plays at number six like Fabinho. There's no other... Uh, defensive screen that is chasing the ball up high and is winning so many balls up high and then releasing the ball to Salah who's in that half space as you say so these these the in the knock-on effect from having missing personnel or players in the wrong position has been extraordinary and it's affected everybody it's affected Mane it's affected not so much Robertson because I think Robertson is is more of a traditional fullback. It hasn't yeah. affected him as much. But look at the the drop off and creativity uh, on that right hand side, where we are getting so much ball and so much uh, ball, like you know, in transition, where players were Salah was able to isolate his man. It just doesn't happen now. Every time Salah gets in the ball, it's just two players over to him, nice and easy. Liverpool are that bit more predictable, and and look, it's a lot of the time I was looking for answers. In so many different areas this season, as what's gone wrong, whether it's the, the lack of fans in the ground, and um, whether it's the, the injuries alone, whether it's just after winning league, a natural hangover, players needing to regroup and just and get and get going again. No preseason, um, just so many different things. Klopp being pissed off, like Klopp hates football as it is at the moment. It's quite clear he's all about the fans. Um, but but look, Finney's made some excellent points, and listen to off the ball. Maybe it really is just down to the personnel issue. And maybe Klopp should have spotted these things early on. And it did stem from the early um, decision to go into the season. And he kind of he prioritised Thiago over bringing in a centre-back. And, and the resulting effect is we've been missing two-thirds of our midfield for, for practically the whole season. And, and, and it's what it's done to other players who have, been, who have excelled. Like Trent has excelled. Because of Ginny and Aldum, uh, Fabino and Henderson in midfield, they're enablers for players like Henderson uh, or for players like Trent and Robertson to do their bit up high, because they always know that boys in the midfield have the legs to get around the cover them or at least slow the opposition down if they do lose the ball. So it's 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 had an extraordinary effect. If if this was another team, I'd be probably laughing at them and 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 thinking they're making excuses. 
But it's it's staring us straight in the face. As soon as they start playing centre halves and centre halves and getting midfielders back in midfield, look at the effect it's had. Already you can see that there's we look a little bit more like we did last season. Okay, not not exactly, but it's but it's really positive science. And it's gonna be interesting. We'll know at the we'll know at the end of the season. But it'll be uh, we'll know then did Klopp make a, a you know a horrific error not to see this a little bit earlier. But it was a it was a tough decision to make. I you know, I don't I don't take what he had to do lightly because what happened to the players at the back every time he said himself, every time one of the fitness staff came in, he says, What's up another centre half? you know. So he couldn't write this shit. But um some tough decisions and you'll you'll wonder now at the end of the season, look, if we win the, the Champions League and, and finish fifth or sixth, it's not gonna matter. But we could finish the season sixth, seventh, no trophies. And um, there are a lot, there'll be a lot of questions asked, but look, there's no better manager to, to turn this around and, and get it right again, especially think, when all the players are fit. I think one of yeah. the things, and I haven't heard many people ask about it, but Andy Robertson's form this season has been really poor. And and he's looked absolutely no threat on the left-hand side. He cuts back inside 95% of the time now. It's He gets up to the edge of the 18-yard box and it's a, it's a diagonal ball back into the centre midfield nine out of ten times. He's not taking on a fullback. He's not going by them. He's not delivering early. He's not delivering well. And an awful lot has been spoken about Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and and his and Salah's side of the pitch and how they've been less productive. But, but you know, I think a, a large part of Mane's problems are related to Robertson not getting past the fullback and creating extra space for Mane to, to, to drift into as well. And that's something that I haven't heard spoken about a lot because that's had an impact on our ability to score goals and break down teams as well. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I mean, because it is so obvious to the naked eye. Robinson, it's just, he's been safe. Again, yeah. I that's a lack of uh, a number eight running down that, that channel that helps create a little more space. But he's just been safe. He's been safe. No, it's the, it's the perfect word, Vinny. That's exactly what he is, safe. Now, you know, it's been said to me, and I don't like this. I don't like it, but at the same time, you know, you think of him releasing a book and he's so different things like that. You just like, is this a year where a couple of lads have lost a bit of focus? A little bit of focus, a little bit of hunger, a little bit of drive. Listen, they're lazy and cheap words, and I don't like throwing them at footballers because... Um, but but I'm speaking as a fan here. So, but I hate I hate that you know I doesn't have the desire to get a bit of balls to go and get the ball and kind of full back and great. And it's often one goal can change a season. Um, I, I often think back to the, the time where um, they got the goal of the crossbar against uh, Everton. It was such a big goal. But it was such a fluke. And one little like that, and you need someone like what. Go and as you said, take a defender on, pull him back, and Mane scores from six yards, and he ends up with six goals in seven games. And if you, if you think back, I said at the start, I think we've got to cut the country a little bit of slack, no matter who they are, because of what's behind them. So it's it is Robinson's got away with a little bit of got away with more, but to be fair, it is the other side of it for the two fullbacks. You've lost your your pace, the two and a half behind you. Yeah, and so they have to, they probably. Feel yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Any football would tell you, you know, in the old days I played in 4-4-2 and if you remember, you played in midfield, one of the midfielders then boxed the box, the other fella sat there, I sat there, yeah. lazy. 
But we always had the confidence to go on, go on. I'd probably say Stuart Bourne, uh, um, Longford Town, and he used to go and go and get goals and score. But he always knew what I, what I said. The odd time I got into the box, he'd say. And it was yeah. like so simplistic that if I'm Robinson, I'm thinking, if, if this breaks down and goes over my head, I don't have enough insurance behind me to sort mm. it out. It is mm. the psychological effect of me Liverpool are drifting back as a team. And mm. it's it's been huge for them. Two, two, two fullbacks are suffering. There's an, of lack, there's an element of lack of confidence and a knocking confidence as well because, you know, Robertson isn't the most technically gifted footballer in the world. He was playing at a level due to the to, to the overall level level of the team, the confidence that flows through when results are coming, all those things. And that can be said for a number of our players, you know, and, mm. and that's that's not belittling them. I'm just saying that confidence plays a part and you get swept up in that wave of results and you feel invincible and you go out and, and all it takes is you know, it's the imposter syndrome and it happens in every walk of life. You know, all it takes is for a few bad results for that player to then start questioning, well, maybe I'm not quite what I thought I was, or maybe I'm not quite at the level that I'd been producing, and maybe this is now my level. And they lose that little bit of invincibility that they had for so long. And that takes time to rebuild. And, and I'm not saying any of those players can't attain it again, but but the, there's an element of just the confidence being gone out of these players and, and just a little bit of the, the you know, that last 5% that... that Brings you over the line, just not there this season. Momentum and form yeah. is huge. A bit yeah. of luck, momentum is huge. Look yeah. at the, look at the, you, you, you look at the game, the weekend rugby. I don't know whether it's a different topic, but you've got two managers, right? You've got uh, Andy Farrell and um, the England coach, focus behind me, uh, the England head coach. Jones. Yeah, Jones. So, on, on Saturday morning, Andy Farrell is under massive pressure to win that, and suddenly the headlines are he has to lose his job, right? Or then win the game. And all the English media talk about Eddie Johnson's job. Andy's five months off now. The city's not there. And way Leinster and Munster look after the players, and then when they come back, he gets ready next international. That's, that's football at the highest level in one day, and it just flips. And that's what I'm saying about you need you, you need something to go the way. There might be a Champions League win. Liverpool are back to the best and could happen. And <clears throat> getting fit is key to that as well over the next few weeks. Yeah, just another thing as well that that kind of, you know, we 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 often I think overlook the fact that even at the goalkeeping position this season, there's been a lot of change and there's been you know times of uncertainty there you know we, we, we we've had Allison in and out the side you know no longer can they rely on Adrian you know Quivian Keller has come in and done done an outstanding job and he's absolutely moved himself um on merits to the number two position but you know going back to Robbo playing it safe you know he's had you know change at centre back he's had change at goalkeepers to contend with um he's had you know we, let, let's not forget we, we 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 you know we identified players and we'll come on to that now I suppose in terms of you know the data and identifying the the, the players who uh, maybe we need to 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 get you know sort of um, deputies for um, you know Simicus you know is identified and is brought in in the summer as someone who could potentially give Robbo a breather because it was kind of recognised 
to guess that the level that he was playing at identify you know maybe you can't sustain this again on over over the course of a season in all competitions so you've got to bring in a bit of cover and a bit of ability to to, to, to rotate so you know just in terms of the the you know the data that's going to be used to 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 analyze you know the the improvements and maybe some of the deficiencies in 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 the squad uh, and how we evolve and move it uh, on in the summer it's going to be interesting really isn't it because you know it's probably a season like no other in terms of trying to analyze all of this because you've had so many things that have changed and so many things that have been outside of your control um and some things that you've thought based on your previous you know analysis of the data hasn't worked out for you because of the things have changed before you've been able to kind of prove or properly disprove what you maybe have thought in the past so you know I, 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 i'll come straight to you i guess again Vinny, on this i mean you know when you were at, at dundalk and and obviously um you know you would have relied on you know your back room you would have relied on the experts in in this field how how important is it to get that insight and to understand you know what you need to do to you know evolve things on and and continue to to be successful and continue to be at the top of your particular field? Yeah, I, I think it's huge. Um, I think if I was to be critical of myself at Dundalk, I probably, uh, well, I, I really got into it. You know, I really felt after the first year we won four out of five trophies and I said, well, how do I improve myself? And I had to yeah. be better at it and went after that. I met with uh, Stat Sports and asked them a question. Uh, they're they're only they're up in um, Belfast, and it's funny, an interesting story. But a long story short, I asked them a couple of questions, and I basically to see, you know, um, all these data sheets now because everybody has analysts, and, and you know, something that the analysts would throw you is, uh, player A, his top speed was nine point two or ten point one. All this grand. Well, what does that mean? And when I dug into one of the reports, one of the players hit speed to celebrate the goal. So basically, the data was bullshit because he was <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> his fastest, his fastest burst of pace during the game was after he scored a goal. Yeah. So. Uh, so cancel his contract. Just fuck him out. No, he, he he scored a goal. That glass. But it just shows you that got to be careful with numbers. Like I, I often say, um, that uh, should give you questions, not answers. If mm. that makes sense, so you've got to yeah. be careful with it. And to be fair, but when I finished with Statsports, it was interesting. He said something to me: "What you are asking for there, we need to put this camera in the next one. There's only one other club in the world." I said, who's that? Liverpool. And I was like, to be honest, I was probably myself, right? But it just I went, right, okay. But basically, it was linking full, um, video to live data. So if someone makes a sprint, uh, I'm able to tell instantly, well, it's this. So it was li- it's linked to recovery runs. So if, if a fella's coming back from injury, I want them to be, what is top speed in a match? Not celebrating a goal, but actually getting to the end line and with 
putting the cross in, that's his top some uh, proper action. So I was able to say the physios, uh, it definitely wasn't my home, and he never hit top speed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're able to- Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. You're able to say to the physios, he's, he's opened him back. The physios have to say, well, in the last match when he was fully fit, he, he was top speed and he crossed the ball here and he got on the record training ground. The only other club at the time really on that was Liverpool. So, uh, and, and listen, Liverpool have analysts and everything, etc., all over. So it is huge. It is the, the data is massive. It also backs up uh, to go back a little bit. Backs up the, the argument on Trent. Trent this is making more uh, progressive passes, which is forward passes, last season. He's making more passes into the final third than he was last season. But ultimately, his crosses and his uh, final tour passes are down, which mm. tells he's starting in a deeper position. That's just a simple statistic that backed up mm. what yeah. we were talking about earlier on. And there, uh, it just so it's, it, uh, and, and listen, what well, the advantage Liverpool have is um, they do opposition analysis as well. Mm. The level of detail of that club, and I think, uh, I think it's Michael Edwards, the sporting director. He, he he was an analyst as well by trade. Done a lot of I've looked at the Liverpool analyst department a lot, and they obviously they they will tell they will be able to tell the opposition's statistics as well. So, for example, if a right ball gets tired in the last fifteen minutes, or a sprinter come down in the last fifteen minutes, then they say to Salah with fifteen minutes to go, go on his shoulder. A man I don't play on his shoulder. Because they know in them last fifteen minutes is weak, and that's still heavily detail. Every team uses that and F all the way down to you know Dundalk, all the way up to Liverpool. It's just how good you use it. And to be fair, I think I think it all comes from the manager. There's a huge buy-in up on it, huge, and that's what they say. That's what you hear coming out of the ground. He he is really driving it. He lets his um, assist have a happen and some but will be about the statistics, the data and um relating that to video it is such a crucial part of the game now and Liverpool do it better than anybody. The cl- next club from what I see a really good in and is Arsenal believe it or not but that comes back from the Wenger days. But Liverpool have that spot on and there's huge investment in that from the, the sort of Fenway group are really Helped them with it and have a lot of expertise in that area. We used to yeah. we used to do a lot of that uh, a lot of that yeah. opposition uh, analysis back in the Leinster Senior League as well. Then he, the, our manager used to say, "These are shite." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Job done. Well, that fellow was in the pub last night, so he was struggling with ten minutes ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was in the bingo fingering grannies. one of the things that used to one of the things that intrigued me when Klopp uh, first came you know to the club uh, and you'd see it obviously you get in the grounds you know 
20 minutes, half an hour before, whatever, and you'd see the kick around. The one thing that used to intrigue me from an early stage was, you know, Klopp, it's attention to detail in that he would stand there kind of just inside our half of the pitch and he wouldn't be watching our players. He would be staring intently at their players. You know, he would be looking and seeing how they were, you know, how they were kind of doing their pre-match warm up, you know, what, what they were up to, you know, the, the knockabout. He was, he was staring intently and, and, and obviously coupled, I'm sure with, some of the data, some of the, you know, the analysis from pre-match, I, I guess he makes sure that he kind of pieces every every possible um, bit of evidence he can together to make sure that he he, he absolutely has this has this nailed on and, 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 and gets every bit of information over to his, his team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, Andy, one of the things that, I mean, there's a few comments in here around, around you know stats people you know stats and data and everything uh you know are, are, in, are in every kind of walk of life i guess it does you know what Vinny uh i think emphasizes there is it's it's how it's the people who then get hold of it and how they interpret it and how they then use that to their advantage and let's face it like if you take another part of you know a football club we haven't got the biggest transfer budget out there that's obvious by our dealings that's obvious by you know some of our some of our i guess you could call it shortcomings we haven't we're not back we're not being bankrolled like you know we haven't we haven't got 200 million i would imagine in a in a kitty waiting to be spent in the summer like manchester city so it's crucial isn't it that this data is used in the best possible way yeah absolutely look talking about Klopp watching the um watching the opposition he says he says it's because you know we might just see something last minute that he can that he can put into his final team talk or final bit of preparation so it's that to kind of a level of attention to detail and Klopp has surrounded the club everything from like these guys um to to throw in coach because it was identified how many times they were losing the ball within 10 or 15 seconds after a throw in so he he wouldn't leave any and if somebody came to him with something Klopp's the type of player who who he does empower people around them and bring in the right personnel. It's no coincidence that Liverpool do have a, a huge um tra- a huge wage bill outside the players because they've that much staff in the background doing various jobs and stats and analysis you know gets a really bad name as because of the um the I suppose the abuse of the stats and how it's being used to win arguments on social media, mm-hmm. you know, this um really, really subjective idea of, of using, because you, you could pull up any stats on any player and use it to prove a point. You know, the old one is like, look, that, that player makes more tackles than Virgil van Dijk, so yeah. therefore he's a, he's a better uh, defender. But we all know that's not yeah. the case. We all know that they, you know, some of the best defenders in the, in the, um, in the world never make a single tackle. And th- so, the guys in the background, they're not they're not having fights on Twitter or on a or going for hot takes on Sky Sports. They're they're using the stats objectively and they're going out there and the the power that they have to identify players, a list of players that they can then go and as Vinny says, ask questions. They can then go and look at their list and see, okay, oh those 10 targets, who's available, who's um who, who actually visually when we look at it 
actually fits it. <laughs> Who are the players that are running off celebrating and, and bumping up their stats? You know, so uh, using that is is just a tool in the overall um you know decision making process. And that's and that's why Liverpool, I think they have been slightly ahead of the curve. I know every club is has a stats department now, and but it's just they've been so heavy uh sided of that it's brought it's asked questions. But you ha- if you don't have a huge transfer budget like Man City, you have to find other ways of competing. And they've done that tremendously. You know, their success in the transfer uh, market has been phenomenal. How many teams can you say that practically all their signings have kind of worked out? Okay, some of the more recent ones like uh, Simicas and maybe Naby Keita hasn't quite worked out. But they've their hit rate has been unbelievable, especially with some of the cheaper signings like, um, like Robertson. Unbelievable, and of every faith that they be able to continue on on that uh, trajectory, not a lot has changed. You can't take a huge amount of information out of the season because there's been it's been such an unusual season in so many ways. But the but the objectives aren't for, is very different from the last summer. You know they're going to try and move on Origi again. They're going to try and move on Shakiri again, and um, do a clear out and hopefully. The way things are, um, with the with the economy maybe starting to recover and fans being promised to come back into grounds again, FSG and you know everyone in behind the scenes there can start forecasting again about what sort of income is coming and make those decisions a bit better. And maybe there mo- there might be funds available to top up on the sales. And look, there's no sure thing down there in the laptop room, whatever they want to call it, with the, the air conditioning. They have a huge amount of players that they can chase and. If it's three players, four players, five players they need, you know, you're confident looking at history with signings made under Klopp that they're, most of them are going to work out. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things for me, um, you know, the, the, the stats wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have told you is what, what the impact of uh, these players getting COVID would be, you know, on their performance, on their recovery, yeah. on, on a lot of things. And both of those players, you know, Simicus and... Um, and Tiago have have had COVID, and um, I'm I'm sure there's probably you know data being compiled now around every single player who has had COVID and and looking at their performances, you know, uh, pre getting COVID and, and and since getting COVID, I, I'm sure there'll be some some uh, you know some conclusions drawn out of of that for various. For various players and subsets of players, depending on their age and so on. Um, but just back, just back. I guess one last point on this. Um, back, back to yourself, Vinny. Um, you know, how would you know as a as a as a manager armed with you know with all of this this data and 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 people are around you, you know, sort of advising and so on. I mean, how how difficult would it be to kind of, I guess, weed out a, a player who maybe is looking like he, you know, based on the data and the stats, um, you know, someone, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pluck a name out of the air. I'm going to pluck out someone who, you know, gets a bit of, uh, we, we joke about him a bit on, on this podcast as Adama Triore. Yeah. He, he flatters yeah. to deceive at times his stat. He must be, you know, if he, if this is a game of, you know, if this is a game of top trumps, he's got nines for things and he's got ones for other things. And the ones <laughs> are for goals and assists at the moment, because he's not giving you an awful lot of, 
productivity how do you get how do you reach that ultimate conclusion and just is it does it come down to to instinct do you have to do you have to consult other managers you know other people in the game how do you how do you reach that ultimate decision yeah i think i think by and large you don't get to the level um uh, without your eyes telling you a huge amount telling mm. you huge amount, um or, or where you are uh, I think the days of of, of endless being in the corner are gone, and if they're not gone, then you're not using them right, and you're you're behind the game. There's a lot of clubs now who just have analysts in the corner. He has the manager data sheet. He reads the ah yeah, pretends his interest puts it down, and and what you also get, uh, you get sometimes players coming to you. Um, I remember being told a very funny story about. Imagine the uh, Premier League in Scotland, and a guy came in who wasn't playing, and the, there was a, he happened to be a foreigner that took a spot. It was a lady fullback, and he came in and said, "This is this is bullshit. How come I can't the team? When I run 12k, 2k more than him? Blah, all me training this this." And she said, "Hold on one second. At the office, went out to the, to the analyst's office and says. Where's the data sheets? Oh, up the wall there for the lads. Pulled them on the wall and said, never put them up again. Because he was giving a player an excuse to knock another player. Ultimately, the player that was in his position better is the point. And mm. feck, uh, what the data sheets say, fact that you run more. You've got to, you've got to, that's why it's such a big part of the game. Now you drill into it. And you drill into, like, the pick up point, like, uh, if you look at cross progression, Right, so much of it is data driven, and the basics of Liverpool. Uh, and, and if anyone ever wants them, I can share them. Which is, but the, I could I could produce a slide and because the stats are there for all to see, and I've I've studied a bit of this. But Liverpool's tackles and interceptions in the last three years has slowly drifted down. They're making less tackles defensively and interceptions. At the same time, their goals conceded last season. We went from being toward more defensively to the best in the last three or four year period as well. And that's all like down to so many different things. Uh, their possession, they're keeping the ball more over them a couple of years up until the start of the season, talking about. And they're actually, the amount of passes they make backwards has increased as well. But believe it or not, because they have to keep the ball and club is big into possession, possession, possession. So, uh, and yeah. also, the discipline record has improved huge under club. Uh, free kicks given away statistically and yellow cards. So you could say to me, well, that means nothing, but there's a reason why you keep them. It's not that every day you bring out the sheet and say, here, uh, it, you know, you, you, you made four tackles this week or five yellow cards or all that stuff. You don't, but it's part of the big picture. It's a little cog in the wheel. It's in the corner. And if you get buy-in from everybody, then it's huge. And it's, it's you know, I don't want to sound like uh, Andy and Sunday or anything, but, you know, when he says the inches we need are everywhere, that's where that triggers with people in the top. It is those little inches where if you're Andy in the corner as a geek printing those sheets, or you've got Andy in the corner as a football player, and you see the little marginal gains, as I said, mm. in the last seasons up until this year, Liverpool lost the league by a point. I'm uncomfortably. It's just the fine little things, and it's it's been huge for them. And 
this this new ward coming in and Liverpool are, are probably the first you they call it pitch control. And they've live data going on in matches. They can see where our opposition are. They're sharing the bench. I think I never pronounce his name, but Peter Crawwich, it's his job I have to, to go in and show them this okay. stuff and and it shows you that uh, you've got to have buy in, but you've also got to be very careful that you don't let stats run away because ultimately it's a game of and no one gets it better than them to be fair. <laughs> it is a good point. It's a game of emotion, it's a game of you know, got to go, you've got to Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Be willing to run through the brick wall and all, but all stats are, as I said, you questions. And the problem mm. sometimes it's the fine, finer detail of being able to measure people's stuff and it's Listen, I think it's part of why they've been messed over the last couple of years is because they get that of their club. And uh, it's interesting. It's really, it's really fascinating. Does it, does it, does it, does it video or a, a, a Netflix series just on Liverpool's data department on its own? And I've only touched on the surface of it with, with some of the research I've done, but um, mm. it, it is it is key for it all, you know. So we'll move on to the, I guess, last topic uh, Andy wanted to uh, discuss really was around, um, you know, leadership and and, and Klopp's style and and what he's brought to the club um, and what, I guess, we we would absolutely miss if, 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 what, you know, well, if and where, I guess when he eventually leaves us um, and and I guess some of the recent runner results of, of, you know, creates a bit of a cloud over his uh, the length of his tenure in some fans' eyes, which has been a bit bonkers, really, in some respects. Mm. Um, but Andy, you wanted to, you wanted to discuss his his leadership and maybe some of the things that um, you know have been missing this season um, that maybe have affected it and maybe have had to kind of he's had to kind of modify his his ways this season. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we won't spend too much time. Just unconscious, Vinny's been very good staying on for so long, and it's been really insightful in in all the other topics. But um, no, I just think this season, for all the things that have gone wrong, one of the things is you know Klopp uses his his methods to uh, to lead and motivate his players. A lot of the stuff that he was able to use so successfully over the years is gone. I mean, an an empty ground alone. Um, means that, you know, his whole philosophy was about entertaining people. He feeds off um, the noise of the ground, the noise of the fans, the reaction of the fans. And that togetherness that he created, you know, as soon as he came into Melwood at the time, he wanted just to create that that family atmosphere that everybody was as important as each other, whether it was the canteen uh, staff or the cleaners. Everybody was going to be part of this project, of this um, future in the club. And now, when they go training, they can't even hang around for a shower or a chat or anything. The players can't meet up socially. Um, I mean, I, I always actually remember he was talking about how we encourage players to to go and see each other and, and socialize together as much as possible. And, and, you know, he wanted to be their friend as well, but not their best friend because he wanted to be able to make those difficult decisions when he, and it's, it's just, he, 
he fascinates me with the with the is how intelligent he is and how Klopp could be successful in any field. He could he could do it in any other sport. He could he could be a politician. He could work in a massive corporation and he's and he'd make a success of it. It's just all these basic human things that he's able to recognize and how he's able to empower people. And you look how you look at all the staff he has around him. He knows if he doesn't know something, if he recognizes that somebody is more qualified to make a decision on on a on a su- topic or subject, he just brings in someone else to do that, and that's where he differs from from Pep and Jose. I think these these type of people have a lot more self belief in their own methods and their own tactics, whereas whereas Klopp has the has that different approach. It's connection with people and connection with the fans. And that's that's hasn't been present all season. So you can see with with everything else, with the injuries, with COVID, um, players having COVID, and the um, players moving around the pitches, all the stuff that Vinny pointed out. You have this other thing. One of his most powerful tools to motivate and lead his players is gone. You know, and hmm. and and that's what gives me a kind of confidence that when things do get back to normal, Liverpool will start. Uh, will will pick up where they left off. Are somewhere near close to it. It's it's going to be it's going to be extremely difficult in in the season that they've had, but um, I, like you know, he, as Klopp says, like he wants he he doesn't want to live up on a, on a mountain. He wants to um, inspire people and he wants to be inspired. Well, who's who can he inspire at the moment? Who who's inspiring him? It's 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 just it's just football is quite pointless at the moment, and I think Klopp is one of the most. I would say be the the biggest advocate for how how it's it football is nothing without fans. So um, look, I think the the overall point is when we when we look at when we look at the season and we try and hyper analyze different things. Let's just see what things are like when thing when when we're back to normal and look at it. Then you know we we can be highly critical of Klopp or the owners, but this has been a global issue and caused had so many negative knock on effects. That um, he's, he's such a powerful leader and a powerful motivator. He just hasn't been able to do it this season because of everything. And you know, I'd be interested to hear um, Vinny's take on on leadership and football and the different styles of managers and how how they get that boy in. Yeah, Vinny, and also also the dynamic of losing the the, the crowd as well. How that how that impacts things and how you have to kind of. Change slightly. I mean, what 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 what's been your kind of uh, yeah, experience? Uh, I think for me, uh, what I love about um, club is I'm not gonna lie, and, and it's not because um, I went I went through a phase of it's not because results weren't great because we still had uh, Liverpool had great times with with um, Jude and um, Benitez and that, but sort of fell out a little bit. Just a bit. Such a such a devoted to League of Ireland in terms of my job and everything. I fell out of love with it a little bit. But since Klopp came back in, I fell back in love with Liverpool. And and really, you know, I I, I would be the type of fan who if Man United gets a chance, once they're not playing Liverpool, I don't mind them winning. So you know, I, I, I'm not, you know. I'm not a hatred towards other teams in any way, except except ironically Everton is the only team I dislike for some reason. <laughs> but 
So the point I'm making is Klopp got me back on side. Hmm. Oh, why? He got me to love Liverpool again, and he bothered if they didn't win or if they only. And he's brilliant. He's brilliant at it. And I think the fans missing like my two best mates in life are Manchester United fans, and like oh, I wind them up every time Liverpool score a late goal. That happens nowhere else. It, Anfield is a special place. Those last-minute goals where it's fourth against Newcastle, it just seems to always happen, or it's more common to happen in Anfield. But uh, So the fans, I even felt it. When we went back, when I went back with the dark after the first COVID lockdown, empty grounds just, I, I, as a manager on the sideline, I'd be someone who'd be up, I wouldn't be sitting down, I'd be involved in the game. I got no energy from the, the crowd, so therefore it, I had a flat feeling and um, I think that that has been huge. I think that's really, really hurt Liverpool more than any other team. You know, some people throw us, ah, that's an excuse. I, I don't buy it. I think that's really affected Klopp as the person. And and he is the one that inspires the team. Whether that's before, during our halftime game. So I think that's huge. I think his leadership style, um, what, I, what I like about I remember he said something, and he's probably the... Uh, he inspires me, but one of the things he said as a coach, and I have taken that mantra, but I had it before that from someone like Stuart Lancaster, who's the Leinster coach, used to manage England rugby team. I would have would have went in to see him working at or would have been in uh, just different learning. But he's good at some things, Klopp. Very good at other things, and everything else I get experts to help me with. I think that's mm. that just that's that's proper leadership. No matter what yeah. you're working in a in a I don't know a factory that's making dog food, you get someone who's the very best to design things or design the label or design. And that's why he has all that's where he doesn't have it all right, I don't know. But I presume he gets the very best expert around him, like a trolling coach. Some mm. coaches managers would not want the trolling coach. Because if it's two goals off trolling the trolling coach will get the credit for it, but he just is so determined to get the best. I think that's the best type of management or leadership you can have. And I think um, he's an inspiring person. And I think, therefore, not having the crowd around him, he looks like he needs a lift. And, and the other thing, COVID is huge. It's huge. He's lost his own, um, uh, one of his parents, and had me in the funeral. Lads who were suffering. Um, I know, even going back on my own experience, I lost a family member. In uh, in the middle of just before we got back going again, then someone really close to me died. And you know what? You still have to stand there on the sideline. You still mm. got the four eleven players and three subs. You've got mm. to take training. And then when you, I drew again, and then you've got ten media standing in front of you, a microphone. It is. It is I'm not going to lie to you. It's difficult, but you've still got the mind. You've got to crack a joke. You've still got to inspire people. And I hope it's just one of them years where it's just been the perfect storm where everything's gone wrong and, yeah. and you can fix it. I know that we can. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying there, Vinny, is 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 bang on because and, and Andy touched on, you know, self belief earlier on, um, with Mourinho and Pep. I I think they're probably more ego driven managers than what Klopp is. I think he actually possesses far more self belief than either of those, but it's it's not it's not on the arrogance and ego side. Um, he's he's very much a, a, a leader who who wants to bring in, as you say, the best in in the various areas. 
and and therefore that allows him to to concentrate on what he's best at doing you know um and and it, and it plays itself out because people then he, he's not trying to be the smartest person in the room all the time yeah. and and he openly he openly points out that he's not he, in fact he he plays down he's very good at playing down his level of intelligence or his level of importance and all those sort of things he likes to make himself you know the 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 black forest boy who's who's just one of a big team and i'm i'm nothing special you know and it's a, it's a very you know it shows his intelligence to be able to do that and take the ego out of it and and show every team member that they've no right to be the biggest person at the club either that it's that every person out on that pitch is as important as the others and and and, and that is driven from the top you know if you have an ego you I, i'm I'm not trying to tell you, but I'm sure you know. If you have an egocentric manager, that allows your your team to be driven by big egos on the pitch as well. I think I think you to get to the top of whatever league it is, you have to have a bit of ego about you. Yeah, Same yeah, absolutely, you. absolutely. You're self belief. I think. Yeah. I, when I equate it to even oh, second, like I, 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 the, I'm not the man that I asked the club to go down the route of sporting director. I had friends and people in football saying to me, and we we subsequently heard them both saying, Are you mad? Like, you're, you're, that's, you're probably going to undermine yourself, blah, blah. What have you done this? What have you done that? Oh, and I, I just kept saying, But the value of bringing that into the club would me better, the job better, easier to do, et cetera, et cetera. And um, that, it's that small mindedness that will catch you. It's a bit like if I got a job tomorrow, and top was available and horrible. And people say, he's just, just going to take a job. No, he's going to make me better. And you have to have that mindset. And you don't. Yeah. You, you, listen, you can get to the top the way Mourinho does, don't get me wrong. But I'd rather do the, 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 the sort of top way and bring everyone on the journey. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lack of fear led management, isn't it? And if you can if you can lead without fear, you give yourself a much better chance of success. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that night is worrying about, you know, my assistant's got, got credit in the newspaper there. Like, geez, what's the matter? Team one, we're on to the next game and, and we roll on. That's your mindset. It's not a waste of negative energy. Managers rarely lose their jobs over being undermined. They they lose them because football's a fickle game and it, it takes a few bad results for people to completely flip the narrative. You know, uh, we were talking about this last time I was on and looking at Villa. You know, it would have been very easy for them to sack Dean Smith having finished 17th last season. They stick with him, add a couple of signings. It's a different game. Like, I would, I would absolutely back us to finish first or second next season with this exact squad if we just restarted the season in September, mm-hmm. you know, so, so all the talk of a shakeup and of course you like to freshen things up. Football is just, and, and every sport is so easily swayed by tiny, tiny incidents in every single match that make up the overall season. And, you know, two seasons on the bounce, you won't end up with the league looking in any way the same. No, and yeah. I think to finish the point on that is that remember he made a brilliant point. A couple of years ago, I remember listening to Paul Harrington, and it really hit home with me because I was Stephen Kenny's assistant for seven, eight years. Yeah. But no one really knew I was his assistant. Nobody really knew because that's the way I wanted it. Um, Time to fire up the grill. 
Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Patrick Harrington, when he was a vice captain at the Ryder Cup, said, um, the, the, you, the question was, how did you He says, well, the key is, if nobody knows I was a vice captain, if I'm not seen on camera and I'm not discussed after the Ryder Cup, means I've done my job right. Because yeah. they talk about me if something goes wrong. And mm. you can't give out about top staff when something goes wrong, or you'll only give out about your staff or whatever when something goes wrong. So I've always been that mantra that as a particularly as a citizen for seven, eight years to someone who's very high profile. That suited me. He went off lifting the trophy and I went and spoke to the two or three players who'd never got a game on the cup final day. Put my arm around them and, and sort of and, and, and that's the key to it. So if you've got good people around you, I think you've got a chance. There's no doubt uh, Liverpool certainly had that. There's, you can see that in the staff. There's a real togetherness about them. Yeah, and yeah. I think you know. I, I think, think it's really powerful what he does with Pep Linders as well when he when he gives him the team for League Cup. Like he, he takes he takes the media, he takes the the team talks. Like yeah. I mean, these are traits that are that are they're not really seen amongst other coaches in football because they are more ego driven and they are, are more um, in terms of the control of everything. But for Klopp to, to give Linders that sort of experience, because when he did go off and manage on his own, it didn't really work out. But I've no doubt in my mind that another kind of apprenticeship served with, with Klopp, Linders is going to make a fantastic uh, manager on his own. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with Critchley, didn't we? We, we, he got, he, you know, he got the yeah. platform, um, and and you know, very got soon after coming. he gets a management opportunity, which yeah. which he takes, and um, you Brendan Rogers allowing that to happen. It just, it, it, you, you just, it, it's chalk and cheese in terms of the two approaches. You know, mm. Brendan Rogers is the epitome of somebody who wants to show everybody he's the smartest man in the room at all times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, regardless yeah. of who's with him, you could have Stephen fucking Hawking beside him, and he's still trying yeah. to tell him about yeah. theoretical physics. You know, it's just who he is as a person, I guess. But I, I have um, a very little memorabilia in the house for you. I, I think I've won press with a couple of medals, in, and I've never kept memorabilia of any way, shape, or form. But I remember, my wife asked me six, seven years ago, maybe, what do you, what do you want for Christmas? And I, I sent her a photograph. I didn't want this photograph. And it was clock running towards the cop like this after scoring. Again, I think it might have been Crystal Palace. Again, he won and secured Champions League football. But if you remember, the assistant at the time was Kovac. Kovac. Kovac was sitting down with a pen and a piece of paper writing something. And the whole lot of the bench had jumped up. Klopp was doing his usual celebrating in front of the crowd. And what was fascinating about it was the assistant had a job to do. He was writing something because, yes, they'd scored, but he still had to win the game. So he was focused on his job. And I was just reminding myself, because a couple of weeks before that, we, we started a game live on TV. And I came to train on Monday, and it was actually Brian Gartland said, are you all right? I was like, yeah. And I was watching the match back, and we scored, and everyone was celebrating, and you were sitting down. I was like, yeah, yeah, but we were about to make a sub. I had to get it right in my head and change set pieces. But... So it just shows you, like, if you have the right people around you, as good as Klopp is, you've got to have the right people around you to make. And, and like, his son could have went jumping for the cameras as well, down towards it. 
and forgetting to fix what was needed in the last 10 minutes to win that game to actually qualify for the Champions League. I can't remember the exact game. I think it was Palace for the yeah. qualified. Uh, it is cru- your staff. Your staff. You're only as good as a leader if you're going to embrace your staff and let them grow. And I think that's that's crucial. Yeah, well, look, um, it's been brilliant to have you on tonight, Vinny. I think, um, you know, we've seen, uh, we seen you, as I say, um, given some insight on tactics uh, last week. But, um, you know, you've added certainly a lot more. And uh, we thank you a lot for coming on. And uh, hopefully you'll join us at some point in the future. Um, you know, and um, Steve, oh, thanks. Uh, you, you're on the spikes, according to, to, to some of the. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> if, if spices, spices are the least of my worries, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, and 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 closing out the spice boys tonight is uh, is Andy Young. So uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks again as usual for your uh, for your contributions, Andy. Yeah, no, I just want to thank Vinny as well. It's been extremely insightful and like the comments flying there, there's, there's yeah. a, they all want to ask you loads of questions about your career. Like, so we'd love to have you on again sometime and maybe touch on, on uh, some of the League of Ireland as well. But uh, no, it's, uh, thanks very much. Fair play oh, to you. It was a pleasure. And um, just, just to leave a note, we, a Liverpool goalkeeper actually looks sensational. Playing for St. Pat's at the moment. Yarrow's yeah. And looks, tell you what, Kevin looks a good goalkeeper. But this fella looks hell of a good goalkeeper. Playing for Pats at the moment, signed him alone. So uh, he, he's one to watch. He, he's he shocked me how good he was last weekend. Uh, mm. Interesting to see. But no, look, uh, appreciate it. It's, it's fascinating. You, you can probably tell I'm a bit of a geek and stats and all that stuff. But that's what I learn and. Um, Hope uh, it was insightful enough. No, I enjoyed that, and I learned from doing things like this. So I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and thanks a lot. Cheers, Vinny. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, so look, we'll be back on uh, next Monday with another forum. We won't have any games to talk about uh, still because it's an international, uh, an international week. Um, but I'm sure Gav and Keith um, and Jamie will probably. Uh, be back at various points this week and um, keep you going until we eventually get to uh, to another game, uh, which is uh, which is Arsenal, which I think is now being rearranged for a Saturday night. So a bit of Saturday night football to look forward to in uh, a week on Saturday, which will be good. So uh, until uh, until we see you, you better again. mention uh, the with new website that guys are putting a huge amount of work in. He'll be uh, he'll knock into your gaff if you if you don't mention that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, your gaff anyway he'll just be <laughs> but uh no yeah, ch- check out the new website it, it looks really slick uh gals put in massive amount of work it's it's everything all in the one place which is good um uh lfcdt.com so check it out um and uh, with a uh, when you get a chance with your keyboard yeah, <laughs> or your you phone, smile. or your whatever your cho- device of choice. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll see you all next week on the forum. Over and out. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID nineteen has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. 
Brought to you by the Ad Council. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.